If you do have your Bible, I want you to open up to Revelation chapter 22. If you have your digital Bible on your new iPhone like somebody does, and <clears throat> go to Revelation 22, verse 21. But before that, I want to really just challenge you guys because, you know, we have church and we've had it for a long time. Yes, it's Revelation 22, verse 21. Revelation 22, verse 20. It's the last verse in the Bible. But a lot of us have been to church probably since the time we were little kids. And we go to church and we realize that, you know, this is church. It's a great place to meet good people and people who are striving for the same goal to meet people that, you know, are nice people, good people. And that's really the, kind of the norm. But whenever Jesus died on a cross, he died on a cross and people might make fun of him as he was on the cross. Is that right? All you have been in church for a while. They're making fun of him and saying, oh, if you're really Jesus, bring yourself off that cross. And they would watch, and they would say, okay, is it going to happen? And they would wait, and they were waiting, and then nothing happened, and then he gave himself to God. So God, take my soul, and then he died that day. And then later on, they would go, and they would seek out people who said that they were a Christian. So if there's Christians here tonight, and it was back in those days, people would try to break down these doors, and they'd say, where's those Christians at? They were looking for them. And those Christians, out of sheer love for, the, for God, they began to come together, even though outside, man, there's a lot of people dying who are Christians, their friends who are Christians died. So when we come to church, it's like, well, you know, we're used to it, right? We're used to going to church. We're, it's a lot easier than it used to be. So there's not that desperate hunger sometimes. Now, if, if all of a sudden the government we live in today in the United States, it says, okay, you're not allowed to worship Jesus anymore. And a lot of you, out of just sheer, I don't care what you tell me. I don't care if you tell me I can't read my Bible. All of a sudden, you start reading your Bible a lot more. Because if you tell somebody they can't, I know for me, like, oh, David, you're not going to be a good basketball player when I was in high school. They're like, oh, you can't even jump. I was like, well, I'm going to tell you what, I'm going to jump as high as I can. I'm going to keep on working out every day. I did all these dumb little workouts. And, man, finally I got to the place where I could dunk. Now, six foot white boy shouldn't be able to dunk. And then I see black guys who are my friends, and they're like five, six, and like, ah, they're jumping. I'm like, well, you know, at least I get up there. But someone told me I couldn't do it. So when people say, okay, you can't worship Jesus anymore, you know, there's that desperate hunger for the Lord. And I think we've lost that sometimes. And that's just something I really feel in my heart that, you know, let's start to get ticked off a little bit. You know, I'll give you all permission to get a little mad and say, you know, I just want God. I don't care if we can't. If some people say, oh, Jesus, he's kind of corny. You know what? When we say the name Jesus, sometimes it's a little corny to people. They don't understand it. But when we have a relationship, we'll do anything we can do to get into the intimate place with the Lord. So I really felt that in my heart that I think, I think we are starting to get hungry for the Lord. But I want us to be stubborn for the Lord. So when we have worship music and, you know, I can go to a Lady Gaga conference that's about to come into town. And people, there's going to be a lot of them there. I personally don't like her, but she does have really good beats. But everything she does, it's, it's, why are people, there's so many people attracted to it. I don't know if it's because of how well all the production is. To be honest, I don't like her, but there's a lot of the production side. Man, people like her. They'll buy her CD as soon as it comes on the rack. So it's, oh, I got to get the Lady Gaga CD, and they go buy it. But when they come to worship at a little youth group, where we're trying to seek after God, man, I want us to be so hungry for the Lord, where we're like, well, that conference is going on. That's great. That concert's okay. But I'm going to go to church. And people are so convinced because they see the hunger in our hearts for the Lord. And... I know it's not always the best. It's not the best preaching. Sometimes I mess up. But I tell you, when God hits, whoo, 
I'm excited about it. And I think that he's coming. Like tonight, I want you to have an expectation that if someone breaks in this door and tells us that we can't do this, you tell them, shut up. <laughs> We're going to do this anyway. So, to my message, Revelation 22, verse 21. It says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now, the writer in Revelation, his name is John. And this is one of the last books that were written. And whenever they compiled all the notes and they they put the Bible together that we have today, this is the very last verse. And it says, the grace of God. It could have said the love of God. Because how many of us need love? I know I do. He could have said, all right, the love of God. Be with all of you guys. The love of Jesus Christ be with all of you. Amen. No, but he said the grace And grace, as we termed it last time I spoke about grace, which was two weeks ago, we said grace is undeserved, unmerited favor. Grace is undeserved, unmerited favor. And I have a problem with that sometimes. I'm just going to be quite honest with you guys. Because when I see a little, when I see perverts who, who do things with little boys, man, that ticks me off. Am I right? It should tick you off too. Well, no, I'm going to beat that guy up. But the Bible says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Not just a couple, but all. Amen. Sometimes I have a problem with that. But grace came to the sinner. Grace came to the believer. Grace came to the criminal. And I need to have grace the way Jesus had grace. And I struggle with that sometimes. I'll be honest with you guys. So tonight's message is when grace hangs out with you. When grace hangs out with you. How many of you love to hang out with people? <laughs> All right, that's what I thought. I don't think anybody, yeah? I have a friend named Grace. Grace, well, all right. So I don't think anybody in this room, when they're hanging out in their, in their house and they receive a text message, you look at it and one of your friends say, hey, you want to hang out this weekend? Unless it's somebody you really don't like. <laughs> but if it's somebody you like and you look at that text message, you're like, there ain't even a question. I'm going to hang out. It's all like Donkey Kong. Let's do it. So you get excited. You're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because I don't know anybody in this room. I haven't met a single person who likes to be alone all the time. I mean, there's moments where I'm tired of people, and I'm like, well, I just want a little alone time. But really, you're hanging out with yourself. You know, you have a, that time of just relaxing, spending some time with yourself, and re- just getting to the place where you're free, all the stuff, the clutter of life. But statistically, they say that if you get a text message, something goes off in your brain that connects. And it's, it's an excitement, it's an ecstasy that goes off in your brain that when you get a text message, something clicks. Because there's that, I want to hang out feeling. And grace as we know it today was Jesus Christ. If you study your Bible, Jesus Christ, he came from heaven. He was born of a virgin named Mary. He went through a lot of stuff, and then he was 30, and now he studied the Word of God, and, man, he was beginning to do his ministry, and then he died on a cross, and never did he sin. And we as humans had a debt that we needed to pay, which was our sin towards God because that was rebellion towards God. But Jesus died on a cross and with his pure hands. No sin has ever touched that hand. He has touched sinners, but as soon as he touched them, they were healed. They're forgiven. So those hands were pure, and his feet were pure. And they took, you guys know the story, and they took the nails, and they beat it on the cross, and he died that day because grace is who he is. Undeserved, unmerited favor, he gave himself for us. So grace 
when Grace hangs out with you. And he hung out with a couple people. Grace hung out with the sinner. If you have your Bible, it's in Matthew 9, verse 9. It says, this, in Matthew 9, verse 9, it says, Grace hung out with the sinner, and as Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office. People did not like tax collectors. And whenever you get a paycheck, I'll tell you what, there's a good reason. And it also says, and he said to him, follow me. So he arose and followed him, talking about Jesus. Verse 10 says, now it happened as Jesus sat at the table in the house that behold many tax collectors and sinners, not a few, it said many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. Many tax collectors and sinners came and sat down with him and his disciples. And when the Pharisees saw it, they said to his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? They're starting to get a little ticked off. Why is he eating with tax collectors and sinners? Verse 12, when Jesus heard that, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. So he is around this table, and he had at least 12 disciples with him at that moment. And also, I want to point that out. I don't just want you guys to go out with sinners and be like, hey, I'm going to go hang out with 12 sinners, and I'm by myself, and they're all drinking. Guess what's going to happen? If you're not strong in the Lord, you're going to start drinking too. They're cussing a lot. So he was with his disciples. And they're sitting there around the table, and I could just imagine all the food. And then the Pharisees are over there, and they're saying, why is Jesus? And they're too chicken to talk to Jesus, so they went to his disciples and said, why is Jesus eating with the sinners? I'm under the personal belief, and this is just my opinion about this verse. I don't think that he was across the table from a person who just had a couple of lust thoughts. No, he was across the table from the prostitutes. He was across the table from the person who was a drunkard. He was across the table, and this is my opinion, that he was across the table with sinners who are deep in sin. And he was sitting there, and the Pharisees are looking and saying, Look, your God, Jesus... He's eating with the sinners and the tax collectors. What's up with that? But Jesus hung out with the sinners. And praise God that he did. There's one, his name was Saul. Saul, whenever the, when the Christians began to congregate and the Christianity began to grow, Saul was known as the guy who would go to the place, and he was a Pharisee, and he believed in the Bible. And this is the first five books or the first five books of the Bible. And he believed in it. He studied it. And he was one of the best students of the Word of God. And then he saw the Christians. And the Christians, he thought, were preaching heresy. He thought, these Christians do not know God. They're saying Jesus is his son. So he began to write letters about murdering them. And he would send them off. He was ticked off at these people. He wrote to to. Gethsemane, the people in Gethsemane, and he, I'm not sure if he wrote to Gethsemane, it doesn't really clearly say, but he wrote to his leaders and they sent him to Gethsemane to go over there and kill the Christians or go take them and bring them to prison. So he was with his, his guys and they're walking down the road. Actually, I'm not sure if the Bible says he was, it doesn't say if he was walking or riding a donkey, it just says he was going down the road to Gethsemane. And he was going down the road and all of a sudden, a bright light appears. Somebody say a bright light appears. A bright light appears appears and knocks him down. Boom. Bright light. Saul falls down to the ground. And then he hears a voice. 
And all this, these guys who were with him were still standing, except him. The little puny dork fell on the ground because of bright light. And all of a sudden, he hears a voice saying, Why are you persecuting me? He said, Lord, who is it? He says, It is Jesus who you are persecuting. And while he's on the ground, all of these people who are with him are standing there, and they cannot see the light. All they hear is this voice. That's a little creepy. <laughs> and Paul, which his name was Saul, and changed to Paul's. And he said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And they're all like, oh my goodness. Can you imagine? Oh my goodness. There's a voice coming from nowhere. They don't even see the light. And Paul's laying there. And he's like, hey, he's a tough dude. And he's laying there. Who is it? Who are you, Lord? And he's just laying there, acting like a little baby. He's like, what's going on? But Jesus, by grace, came to the center. He was a murderer, and he came to him. And he told him, while Paul was on the ground, Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? He said, who is it? He said, it's Jesus. He said, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to go into Gethsemane, and I'll, go, I'll tell you from there. So Paul stands up. I'm mixing Saul and Paul together, but that's both of his names. It was Saul, and then it was changed to Paul. And then... And I hope I have that right because it's on podcast. So if I don't, uh, whoops. So Saul stood up and then all the people who were with him were looking at him. And Saul was trying to look around and he couldn't see. The Bible says that there are scales over his eyelids. So these people took him and they took him. He said, I need to go Gethsemane. So they took him into Gethsemane. And it said in the Bible that for three days he didn't eat or drink. Now, when Jesus comes to the center, something happens. And I want to tell you, there is hope. If Jesus would even come to a murderer, he killed Christians. His speciality was killing Christians. But Jesus came to Saul because it was grace. Saul didn't deserve it. It was undeserved, unmerited grace. Saul even says in Romans, and I believe it's in Romans, it says, where sin abounds... Grace abounds even more. He got the concept of grace. Number two, grace hangs out with disciples. Grace hangs out with disciples. In Matthew 17, verse 1, Matthew 17, verse 1, it says, After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John, his brother, led them up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transformed before them. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to him, talking with him. And then Peter answered and said to Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If you wish, let us make here three tabernacles, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. While he was still speaking, Verse 5, while he was still speaking, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them. And suddenly a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. And when the disciples heard it, they fell on their faces and were greatly afraid. Do we see a pattern? That when people see Jesus... And they realize the revelation of Jesus and God appears. 
all of a sudden, they fall down on their faces. I'm telling you, if we had more of that in church, we'd we'd come to a Wednesday night service, and we'd be so, all right, God, we'd get on our knees, and we'd begin to pray before service. I love hanging out. I think that's one of the greatest things in my life to do. I love hanging out with you guys. I love when you guys walk into the room. But if I walked into this room, and you guys were here before me, and you're on your knees at at uh, at these chairs, and you're sitting there, and you're praying to God, God, come tonight. I would be blown away. <laughs> I'd be like, come on, Jesus. And I'll get down beside you and say, ah, oh, Jesus. And I'd begin to pray. Because what happens is, when you meet Jesus, something happens. And you realize who he is. But Jesus, by his grace, in verse 7, it says, But Jesus came. This is after the disciples fell on their face. It says, But Jesus came and touched him and said, Arise and do not be afraid. See, Jesus hung out with his disciples. Grace hung out with the disciples. Now, I, I question, I wonder, why was it that only Peter, James, and John were the ones who were up on the mountain with Jesus? The Bible clearly says that there are 12 disciples of Jesus who are his closest disciples. Now, I'm not trying to make a false doctrine or make you guys believe false things. But some maybes of why only these three guys are mentioned. Like sometimes you hear about them and they're the only ones with Jesus. There's a couple times. But it's Peter, it's James, and it's John. These are the guys who are up on the mountain with Jesus. And some maybes are maybe they wanted Jesus more. And I don't know. But maybe these guys, when everybody said, hey, you get, we're going to go hang out with Jesus today. It's going to be a great day. Oh, man, Jesus is going to tell us some jokes that he, st- he said 30 times. <laughs> but we're still going to laugh and make him feel good. And we're going to go up on this mountain, and they're all like, well, you know, I've got some things to do. I don't know. Were these guys more hungry? Or maybe it might have been the distance. Maybe Jesus said, I want to go up to that mountain. I want to go up there. And spend time with you guys. Because I got something for you. And then the other disciples. They're looking like. Oh. There's a lot of trees Jesus. Ah, There's a lot of. A lot of terrain. Out there on that mountain. And I got a bad ankle. Twisted it last week. You remember Jesus. He's like you put your hands on it. And I was like. oh, But then it healed. And then now. I don't want to hurt it again. You know. I want to have a good doctor at that point. I was like, well, Jesus would heal it. So you look up on the mountain, they're like, no, it's too far. Is that why? Was it because the distance was too far? I don't know. That's just some maybes because I've seen people who are Christians and they don't have that revelation of Jesus, but some other people do. Is it because they're more hungry? That's, that's a good question to ask yourself. Am I hungry for the Lord? But Grace hung out with his disciples. So I want you to imagine this scenario. You have Peter, you have James, and you have John. And they've been walking for a while. They're up on a mountain. And then looking at each other like, whoo, it's been a long walk. Looking at the sandals like, ooh, look what I stepped in. Oh, man, what's that? And they're like, I'm just a little tired. And then Peter looks over, and Jesus is in his regular clothes, and he's got his hair just right. And he's Jesus because he's cool. And he's sitting over there, and they're all walking together. And then they look up, and all of a sudden, a bright light shines out of Jesus. It says that he was transformed. It says in the Bible that his clothes shone and he was white and bright as the light. And then they're looking at him like, what is going on? 
And then you see Elijah appears, and then Moses appears. And Peter, in his excitement, he's always heard about Elisha. He's always heard about Moses. And he said, oh, oh, man, that's Elijah. That's Moses. And that's Jesus in the middle, all shiny and stuff. Wow. And he's getting excited. He says, Jesus, this is what we should do. We should build an altar for you. We should build an altar for Elijah. And build an altar for Moses. And in his excitement, he hears a voice. It's a cloud that's bright and says, this is my beloved son. Why is it that he instantly fell to the ground with James and John? Did he have full revelation that this is Jesus or did he just think he was a prophet? Did he have full revelation? This Jesus is the son of God. I don't know. But when he was in excitement, he said, let's have an altar here for you, Jesus. An altar here for Moses, altar here for Elijah. And he was excited about it. But then, all of a sudden, he had revelation that Jesus is the Son of God. See, when you hang out with Jesus, when grace hangs out with you, I'll tell you what, grace as we know is Jesus Christ, right? Is that Jesus Christ? That's who we know is Grace. So when we hang out with him, just like the disciples, he brings revelation of himself into our lives. And we begin to see certain things here and certain things here or a characteristic of Jesus here. We might not have known or heard in the Bible that you know Jesus really loves you. He loves you so much. But the more you spend time with him, you're spending time with him, you're saying, all right, Jesus, let's go get a cup of coffee. You're going like, you like creamer? I like creamer too. And you begin to drink it. And then all of a sudden you have a revelation of the love of Jesus Christ. You know what? No one had to tell you that. But then your heart begins to expand inside your chest. You're saying, Jesus loves me because he transformed himself. Because grace hung out with you. And that's why I personally like to hang out with grace. There are times as a follower of Jesus Christ, because that's what disciple means, where I say, Jesus, your grace, undeserved, unmerited favor, but I don't feel it. I'm not, I don't feel worthy. And when I say that, almost every time now for this last past year, I said, God, look, I'm so unworthy of Jesus. And he says, you're right, you are. I'm like, huh, that's good. <laughs> and then I said, God, but... Why do you love me? Why do you continue to give me grace? And he says one word every time. He says, the cross. That is why I give you grace. And that's how we know grace, because Jesus died where we should have died. And that was on a cross for our sins. Number three, grace hangs out with the criminals. Grace hangs out with the criminals. Before Jesus Christ, I know many of you are Christians, and I'm excited about that. I love it that you guys know the Lord. But there are those who really don't know the Lord, who've never been in church. And when they come into church, they feel kind of awkward because they hear people say, you know, Jesus loves you. And they're like, what the heck is that? (laughs) I've never experienced love in my life. But, you know, I've heard people say they love me, but then they hurt me. But then we say, you know what, but Jesus' love is so good. But Jesus' love, I'll tell you what, it is the best love I've ever had in my life. So they're kind of complexed and a little flabbergasted because someone just came up to them or they're up strumming the guitar saying, Jesus, I love you. And they're like, who is this Jesus? I know one down the street, but I'll tell you what, he don't love me. <laughs> so it's, it's tough. 
And there's that price that we pay. Because whenever I look at a woman, I'm saying, oh, God, help me with my thoughts. You know, I should have been going to hell because of that sin. Or whenever I accidentally cuss and something happens where it just came out. I'm like, God, I'm so sorry. But without Jesus, I would not have that grace, that forgiveness. Or if I run into somebody and I push them in basketball or I'm doing something where I'm walking down the hall and they bump up against me, I'm saying, you better not bump up against me. And then an all-out brawl happens. It's fighting. See, I would not be forgiven for that if it wasn't for grace. Because Jesus Christ, because I don't deserve that favor. But in Luke 23, verse 39, it says, Then one of the criminals who were hanged, and this is the moment when Jesus was on a cross, and there's two other criminals, one on his right and one on his left, who were hanging on the cross with nails in their hands and nails in their feet. And this was a way that they would kill people slowly, but with pain. It says in Luke 23, verse 39, it says, Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him, who was Jesus, saying, If you are the Christ... Save yourself and us. Prove it, Jesus. And then the other person who was on the cross, he said, but the other answered, rebuked him, saying, do you not even fear God? Do you, or God, seeing you are under the same condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. See, even they knew that Jesus was not worthy of this torture they knew that jesus wasn't he wasn't worthy of being murdered and then he said but this man has done nothing wrong then he said to jesus lord remember me when you come into your kingdom verse 43 and jesus said to him assuredly i say to you today you will be with me in paradise he's talking about heaven and I want to encourage you tonight is that I know many of us have messed up. And I know I have personally messed up. And I've had to receive grace over and over in my personal life. But this criminal who had murder, I don't know what he did, but in, uh, I think it's in Matthew, it says that he was a, a robber. And it says that he was up there and he was deserving death. And Jesus was hanging up there with him. He was hanging out. And he looked at him and said, you... I don't care if you're at the very last moment in your life. I don't care if you've been tried, convicted, and you're going straight to hell. You're going to come with me tonight. He came with Jesus that night into paradise. There was not a sinner out of reach for Jesus. Not a single one. No matter how bad they were. Whenever one of my friends, he told me a story about his little daughter. And I'm not, I can't remember exactly how old she is. But I think she was around, I think like five or six, and her brother was like a year or two older than she was. And they're in a room, and her older brother, she did something to just to irk him. You know how, it doesn't even matter. Whenever I was a kid, me and my brother would just fight to fight. But he, she's a girl, and he's a guy, and he should never hit her. But he took his fist, balled it up. You know when you make a fist, your knuckles become white? He balled it up, and he popped her in the eye. And as any girl that age, she screamed, ah! Ah! 
And her dad is a good dad who was in the house, ran into the room and said, what happened? She said, my brother pushed me that bar. He's like, you know what needs to happen? And she's a daddy's girl. So he said, all right, son, it's time for your spanking. Kids' eyes go up and go, okay, dad. So he takes him into the other room, closes the door, sits down, bends him over. He said, all right, you know why you're getting a spanking, right? Like, yes, dad, because I punched my sister in the face. He's like, all right, as long as you know why you're getting these spankings. So they sat down. He's about to do a nice sweep, just a perfect hit, right on the buttocks where his butt is going, ah! But before that happened, bursting through the door was that little kid's sister who he just punched in the eye. She said, no, daddy, stop it. Dad looks at her and says, but he needs to be spanked. She says, Dad, spank me instead. That girl knew grace. Sometimes little kids will complex me because of their honesty, because of their purity. She ran into the room and said, no, let me have the punishment instead. And Jesus hung out with criminals. Grace hung out with criminals. You and I should all be at the place where we are deserving of a place called hell. And hanging on a cross, and this, isn't a, this isn't a salvation message because I know a lot of you know Jesus. I know a lot of you said, God, I want you to come into my life today. But as myself, I've been a Christian for a while. But whenever I sin, when I do something stupid, and I know that I should be a criminal in God's eyes because of my sin, it has condemned me to hell. But grace hangs out with me. Jesus Christ hangs out with me. And grace says, David, put your head back up. I said, okay. I don't want to. I'm tired. He's like, no. David, I believe in you. You're forgiven. You have undeserved and unmerited favor. And I wrote down a couple things about grace. Grace forgives the unforgivable. Grace forgives the the unforgivable. I don't want to forgive myself many times, but grace does. That's awesome to me. And the grace heals the unhealable. And the grace believes in the unbelievable. If tonight, if I could get you to believe one thing, is that grace hangs out with you. Man, that would be amazing. Because we mess up and we mess up and we mess up and we mess up. But grace, grace, grace never gives up. Where sin is, grace abounds even more. And I have a hard time with grace. But it's a fact in my life that grace has come. In the form of a person named Jesus Christ. Not only so people will say, all right, Jesus, I'm saved now. I'm a Christian. I believe in you. Yeah, it's great. No, but so when people sin... And they mess up. He still loves you. Still hugs you. And that's all I have for tonight. 
But I just pray, man, that you guys would get it. That he's not just here, but he's really here with you. He's not just in heaven, sitting next to God. He is here with us through the Holy Spirit. We have grace. We have grace. So when a prostitute comes up to you, when a drug dealer, when a murderer comes up to you and says, why do you love me? You say, because grace. They're like, what is it? Undeserved and unmerited favor. It's like, but how do I have it every time I sin? Because grace is hanging out with you. Because all of us want to hang out with grace. That said, please bow your heads. And I want to speak some stuff over you real quick as your youth pastor. Lord, I just speak over my teenagers that they would not give up. Winston Churchill walked into a, a classroom of eighth grade boys. He walked in there and he had a speech and they waited for his speech to happen. And they heard about this great Winston Churchill. He walked in this classroom and said this. He said, never give up. Never give up. Never give up. And he walked out of that classroom and shut the door. And all the eighth graders sat there with that one message. And if I could tell you tonight, the one message I want you to know is to never give up. Because grace loves you. Never give up. Because Jesus died and loved you. He paid it all. doesn't matter if you're a Christian and you're still a Christian, you've been a Christian your whole life. It's still as new today as it was the first day you came to Jesus. And Lord, I speak over my teenagers, Lord, I pray they'd be stubborn in Jesus Christ. I pray tonight they would be so hungry for God that they'd be more desperate for you than anything I've ever seen in my life. They'd be more desperate than you, Lord, than they would be if someone never gave them something to drink for days and they said, God, i got to have a drink. But Lord, they would say, God, I have you first. I want you first, God. Lord, I pray they'd be desperate for you because I believe that there's going to be one day where we do not celebrate Jesus the way we do today. And Lord, I don't want apathy to come into my teenagers' lives because I love them. I speak fire and hunger in them, Lord, for you. Mm. We've been singing a song. It says, let it rain. You guys have heard it a lot. It says, let it rain, let it rain. Um, with the winds of your spirit. Do you have it up here, Leah? I just want to read it real quick. Um, here it is. It says, let it rain, let it rain. Open up the floodgates of heaven. And then the last verses, it says, I feel the rains of your love. It's that Jesus' love is pouring out on us. I speak that over you tonight. That the rains of his love are pouring out. The rains of his love are pouring out. And it says, I feel the wind of your spirit. You know what? Wind can knock over buildings. It can rip them up. Little homes, it rips them right up. And it's not if you need things ripped up out of your life. Grace is here. 